Welcome to episode number one of the Small School Big Time Hoops podcast, and this is your host, Javon Masters. I'm extremely excited to bring you episode number one of the pod. Our guest today is the head women's basketball coach at Viterbo University, Coach Lionel Jones. We talk about how he got his start with the Minnesota Golden Gophers and what was life like for him in the Big Ten. We talk about his experiences with the Minnesota Timberwolves and his unique relationship with Flip Saunders. We also talk about his various stops at the high school level and how he picked up 310 wins along the way. Finally, we reflect back on his first two years as lead man of the Viterbo women's basketball team and where he sees his program headed in the future. When we come back, you'll hear from the head women's basketball coach at Viterbo University, Coach Lionel Jones. I'm excited to welcome in uh, my coach and boss and the head coach at Turbo University and the women's basketball program, Coach Lionel Jones. This past year marked year two in the Lionel Jones tenure at Turbo. We're coming off one of the most successful seasons at Turbo University, and I think the argument could be made that uh, the V-Hawks were about 10 seconds away from being in the national tournament, which is a place they haven't been in a long time. Coach, how are you doing? I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I appreciate you joining us today. Uh, I think that it's only fitting that we start with um, a question kind of about the times that we're going through. Uh, What's something that you're kind of doing to kind of help yourself or help the basketball program during these trying times? Well, I think right now, um, being that there are so many unknowns out there, I think the one thing that I'm trying to do is stay full steam ahead. Um, Our planning um, in terms of our off season, you know, we're still going forward with that. Um, We're still planning for our basketball camps. I think um, we're still recruiting the same way. So even though these are times where things are a lot of, there are a lot of unknowns and a lot of things that are uncertain. um, You know, we, have done a really good job of not letting that rock the boat, so to speak. So uh, we're just continuing full steam ahead. Yeah, definitely. I know that we had a meeting with um, our athletic director, and he said this is definitely a time where uh, people can kind of distance themselves from the crowd and do some different creative things. Um, one of the ways that I think I got to know you best is just through your stories. You're always telling me different stories and those kind of things. So I want to go back, back to the beginning. Um, Tell me a little bit about what it was like for you growing up outside of Cleveland and kind of how you got into basketball. Well, I had a great childhood growing up. Um, I'm from a little small suburb called Warrensville Heights. It's a suburb of Cleveland. Not many people know where that is. Uh, Probably our claim to fame is that Arsenio Hall, one of the great comedians, uh, graduated from my high school. And um, I was engulfed in sports really early. One of my mentors growing up was my older brother. Um, He was really into basketball, and that's kind of how I got into basketball. And my dad always promoted sports to us. You know, it was a way to get out of the house, get some exercise, um, learn about uh, being uh, good teammates and working as a team. Um, And then I just got really, really – uh, involved with basketball through youth leagues. And then once I got a chance to get into high school, I was um, always involved in athletics in high school, but more predominantly the, the game of basketball. And um, once my high school career ended, 
um, I really got bit by the coaching bug and um, I really loved coaching. I got involved with the youth league uh, the summer of my senior year. And I, I coached a seventh grade youth league from Shaker Heights, Ohio. And um, I had such a great time with that team that, you know, I figured out pretty quickly that coaching was something that I really wanted to do for the rest of my life. Yeah, I feel like that's how it starts for a lot of people. They start with those kind of youth leagues and then they progress from there. Uh, you have an interesting story because you went from youth league to uh, the University of Minnesota men's basketball team. How did that kind of come about? Well, um, I always had a dream of playing uh, basketball in college. And, you know, the one dream that I had, like a lot of other athletes out there, is that I wanted to play Division One basketball. And even though I was a pretty decent player, um, just looking back at my career, you know, I wasn't good enough to play at that D1 level, um, especially at the University of Minnesota, you know, uh, a, a major uh, player in the Big Ten Conference. So I wanted to try the next best thing. Um, as I said, I had opportunity to coach youth leagues, and I just thought to myself, how can I be involved at this level of basketball? Uh, so I, I went to Williams Arena one day after class, and I met with uh, Coach Dan Kozmowski, who, uh, after he left the University of Minnesota, ended up at St. Olaf College. And uh, I told him that I wanted to get involved uh, in whatever way they would have me be involved. And uh, they made me a student assistant. And uh, I was kind of in charge of a lot of the war room stuff and uh, managing the managers. Um, and that was just a great experience for me because I didn't get a chance to do a lot of coaching, but I was just around really good basketball every day. I had an opportunity to see how Coach Haskins uh, interacted with his players. Um, I got a chance to see how they set up their practices. So for me, um, I was kind of like a sponge. It was just a great learning experience for me, even though I didn't get a chance to do any uh, real quote, uh, real coaching. Um, I got a chance to watch um, a lot of good things every day. And at the time, um, the Minnesota Golden Gophers had a pretty decent program. A lot of the guys that were there, Townsend Orr, Vashon Leonard, um, Chad Colander. I mean, those guys were just building a great foundation for the University of Minnesota. Um, I wasn't able to stay in that job for long because they turned that student uh, assistant coaching position into what now most Division One colleges have is a director of basketball operations. And to attain that job, you had to have a degree. And obviously, I didn't have to have I didn't have my degree at the time. I was still a student. Um, but the time that I spent with the Gopher program was was really valuable to me, and it gave me a good uh, baseline and a good foundation to continue coaching. No, definitely. Uh, starting in the Big Ten is quite the place to kind of start your coaching career. Uh, I feel like uh, you definitely use that as a springboard into your next position where you transitioned to, into working with the Minnesota Timberwolves. How did that kind of come about? And talk to me a little bit about your relationship with Flip Saunders. Well, you know, I got really lucky with that. Um, I had gone to uh, back in Ohio, some of Flip Saunders camp. So I was really familiar with him. Um, and then um, we kind of lost touch over the years. You know, it, it wasn't like we were really uh, connected early on in Ohio, but he became the head coach of the lacrosse Catbirds in lacrosse, Wisconsin. And so 
I remember the name from all the camps that basically he used to run back in Ohio. And I know he had a really successful stint with the lacrosse Catbirds. And um, just about the time I was leaving the University of Minnesota, he became the vice president of basketball operations with the Minnesota Timberwolves. Um, he wasn't the head coach at the time. He was just the vice president. And then he, he eventually became the head coach. So, again, I contacted him. And he got me involved with a lot of his camps. At the time, the Timberwolves were an expansion team, and they were trying to get their brand out there. Um, you know, this was something new for Minnesota. They hadn't had NBA basketball before. So I think he was trying to do some outreach things with his camps. Uh, the camps were not well attended at first, but we really built those camps into one of the biggest camps ever um, in the state of Minnesota. Uh, and then I had an opportunity to do some player development things uh, with the Timberwolves, along with being a commissioner of his camp. So, you know, I really look back at my basketball career and I've just been kind of at the right place at the right time and tried to network as best I can and, and uh, reach out to people, be aggressive in that manner. And luckily, a lot of the people that I network with gave me an opportunity to do some things with their organization. No, definitely. What is like the biggest thing that you took away from your time with the Timberwolves? Um, just interacting with Flip Saunders. You know, he's he was a big time coach. Um, I, I look at the landscape of, you know, a lot of the NBA coaches and how many NBA coaches would take the time to mentor, you know, young coaches. I mean, these guys have busy schedules. You know, I remember Flip Saunders invited me and my wife and my family over to his house for a barbecue. You know, how many, how many NBA coaches, um, you know, reach out and, and do things like that when they have their, their busy schedule. So um, I took away from my time with the Timberwolves and Flip Saunders that, you know, no matter what level you're coaching on, you know, always stay true to your craft and uh, try to reach out and help as many coaches as you possibly can and be as humble as you possibly can. No, definitely. I think that says a lot about Flip and kind of what he did for the game. And I definitely see you doing a lot of those same things uh, in your current spot. So you transition from your time with the Timberwolves and you go to Park Center High School uh, in Minnesota. And that was your first kind of head coaching gig. And to be fair, let's just say it went really well. You had multiple D1 players, three conference championships in four years, two-time Northwest Suburban Coach of the Year. Tell me a little bit about that job and how it felt to kind of start your coaching career, head coaching career on that kind of level. Uh, well, I had had an opportunity. And again, I had a great mentor, a guy named Willie Jett. He was uh, he is now the superintendent of St. Cloud Schools. But his coaching background, he uh, went to the Naval Academy. His roommate was actually David Robinson, the great uh, San Antonio Spurs player. And uh, he had an opportunity to coach at Pitt. He was assistant coach at Cornell. And so he had an extensive basketball background. And so um, before that, I was his assistant at Champlain Park High School. I just gained a lot of valuable experience there, just learning the game of basketball and how to run a program. And then when the opportunity occurred at Park Center, I was actually a dean of students there. And uh, the coach that was in place before I got the job uh, had actually gotten removed for the job. And uh, I had known a lot of the players there, just being the dean of students. And 
one day a couple of the players came into my office and asked me if I was interested in becoming the head coach because I needed the coach. And uh, I initially said no. And uh, I, I went home and talked to my wife about it. And I think she just said to me that I would be crazy not to take the job. I thought about it for a day. And uh, I went back to school the next day and said that I wanted to take the job. And it was, uh, you know, we, we turned that thing around pretty quickly. Um, they went from being a team that was under 500. Um, when I took the job, I believe they were two and five. And we rattled off about 12 or 13 games in a row. Um, right off the bat. And uh, I don't think it was anything that I essentially did. We had a we had a stacked team. I walked into a situation where I had a, a, a guard, Miles Webb, who was being recruited heavily by the University of Minnesota. Um, I had a kid there named Paris Kyles, who ended up being a Division II All-American at Mankato State, who played professional basketball over in Poland uh, for years. So I walked into a good situation. Um, Park Center High School had great resources in terms of their youth league. So we really built that thing up. Um, I had a stellar coaching staff there. And so um, this just wasn't a Lionel Jones thing. It was we just had a great team and a great group of people in that program that really made Park Center High School one of the most powerful programs in the state for that stint of time, for sure. So you use that stint of time and where you guys are really rolling and you kind of, once again, I'll use the term springboard it, but you go from there to UW Stout and it's kind of your first coaching, coaching job at the college level. Uh, You spent four years under um, Eddie Andrus. During that time, you guys reached the D3 tournament for the first time in school history. Why was that the right place for you to go after Park Center where you had things kind of rolling? And what did you take away from that experience as a college coach? Uh, it was really funny. You know, I had been up until that point, I had been really successful as a head coach. So sometimes when you're successful so quickly, um, there's a lot of things that you have in your head that is fool's gold, so to speak. And so I, I was a pretty cocky head coach you know I I had won at a, at a pretty high level at the high school level and then I had a chance to join Eddie Andrews coaching staff and I will tell anybody this without any hesitation that Eddie Andrews uh, should be in the hall of fame um, he, he he's very knowledgeable about basketball he won multiple national championships at Mount Scenario uh, he came in and turned the UW Stout men's program around uh, so I had opportunity to be his assistant coach, and um, I found out very quickly um, a lot of things that I thought I knew about the game, you know, I really didn't know. And so I had an opportunity to learn from Eddie Anderson. I think the biggest thing is what a tireless, detailed worker he is. Um, just how he had his fingerprints on every part of the program in terms of, you know, philosophy, uh, what type of system he wanted to run, the strength and conditioning program, and just his relationship building with his players. Um, I think that uh, if I didn't have that stint at UW Stout, that I probably wouldn't be the coach that I am today because I just learned a lot from Eddie. He was one of those head coaches that would allow his assistant coaches to grow, and he would – he would give us responsibilities and delegate to his assistant coaches. And uh, he was not one of these guys 
that would look over your shoulder all the time. He didn't micromanage. He would just give you a job and he would expect the job to be done. And so um, I'm very grateful to him. He and I are still in contact now. Um, he is actually assistant coaching Kim Weber up at Cameron High School right now. And he uh, tours around the region doing his run and jump clinic. So uh, Eddie has been really, really a big part of my coaching career. And uh, I can't thank him enough for all the opportunities that he gave me. No, definitely. I've had the chance to listen to Eddie speak, and I definitely can see some of the philosophies that he talks about uh, still in what you do as a coach. And after your time at UW-Stout, you did something kind of interesting. You had this rise. You were at Park Center. You got into the college game. And then if you look at kind of your career path, you go back to the high school game. What was kind of your thought process there? Well, you know, not only did I go back to the high school game, but I changed genders. And, you know, I always was the type of coach where I just wanted to coach. You know, it didn't matter whether it was traveling league, seventh grade basketball, whether it was boys basketball, college men's basketball. Um, up until that point, I had never thought of myself being on the women's side of basketball, but an opportunity arose at Menominee High School where their program was really struggling. Um, I had two little kids at home. So when you have two little kids at home and you're a college coach, um, that's probably not the best thing because you're always on the road either recruiting, you have games, or you're at practice all the time. So um, I, I wanted to be at home and watch my kids grow up. So um, I took the job at Menominee High School. And Menominee, when I say it was struggling, it was struggling. It was probably one of the worst basketball programs in the state. Uh, Annually, they were winning one or two games a year. They had won one conference game in three years in the Big River Conference. And they were basically the doormats. And so I went to Eddie one day and told him that I was thinking about leaving, but I still wanted to coach. And I got his insight on what he thought about me taking over the Menominee girls job. And his daughter was actually on the team. Um, she was the best player in the program. She ended up getting a full-ride scholarship to Winona State. Uh, but he thought I was crazy. He said he would, <laughs> he, would, uh, he would support the move. But he said, do you really want to take over that program? And I said, you know, I think I could do some really good things with the program. So my first year, uh, we won double-digit games uh, for the first time in a long time at that school. And then my second year, we end up uh, setting the school record for wins. We had 23 wins that year. Um, we were the number two ranked team in the state of Wisconsin, uh, which was unbelievable in a year's amount of time. Uh, we put in a great system that the girls believed in. We took a lot of things from the Grinnell system of play where you're line shifting players in and out. We shot a lot of threes. We pressed the ball hard. And I just think it took off. You know, it wasn't uh, anything X's and O's that that I put in, but it was just about the belief. And I think sometimes coaches get too much blame when things go wrong and too much credit when things go right. Um, I think the biggest thing that I did uh, was not on the X's and O's side, but it was just about the belief that I brought into the gym that these girls could do some great things. And uh, it it really took off. It was it's probably the most memorable year that I've ever had in my coaching career. I mean, that was a lot of fun. We went from having maybe 30 people 
you know, coming to our games, to selling out games, having over 1,200 people pack in the stands to watch us play. And uh, it was it was a great and exciting time. I still keep in touch with all the girls on that team. And that was back no. in 2008. So that's been 12 years ago. And uh, some of those girls are married and having kids. Uh, but I'm, I'm glad that I still have the relationship with some of those players because that was a real special year. Yeah, that to do something like that at somewhere that's never been done, I'm sure is something that you'll never forget. I think Eddie might have been uh, right, though, that you might be a little bit crazy. Uh, implementing the system, for those of you who don't know, it involves sprinting up and down the court, shooting a lot of threes, kind of like the Grinnell. Um, takes a little bit of a guts, so I have to commend you because not a lot of coaches would be kind of willing to take that chance. Yeah, well, it's not meant for every team, but I thought to myself, I looked at, I walked into the gym one day and I looked at all the banners that were hanging in Menominee's gym and they didn't have a women's basketball banner. So I said, okay, they've had, you know, a lot of years where they played traditional basketball and it just hadn't worked. And so I just took a chance. You know, I had, we had great athletes on that team. We didn't necessarily have the best basketball players, uh, but we had girls that can really get up and down. We had a few soccer players. We had some cross-country girls, some track girls. And then we had Kelsey Andrus, who was stuck in the middle as the best basketball player in the program. And so once we started um, pressing the ball, getting up and down the floor, I just think the girls really, uh, really, really bought in. And it was just an incredible turnaround. Definitely, definitely. After your time at Menominee, then you went to Woodbury for a little bit. But I think most notably, after those two times, you headed to Durand High School in Wisconsin. During your time at Durand, three conference and regional championships, multiple times in sectional, state tournament appearances. What about Durand made it such a special place to coach? I know you have very fond memories of that place. What about it was so special? I always say, you know, if you ever have an opportunity – and you want to go to a good girls basketball game, I think it's got to be on everybody's bucket list to go to Durand High School. Um, it is it is a special place. I didn't realize how special it was until I got into it. Um, you're talking about a community that really cares about its girls basketball program. It is it is the basketball program in that area. Um, it is the program in the Durant community. It's not the football team. It's not the boys basketball team. It's not the volleyball team. Uh, it is girls basketball. And uh, when there's a girls basketball game, the whole town shuts down and everybody comes to the game. Um, the student body is incredible. Uh, the community is incredible. The administration there is uh, top notch. And so when I had an opportunity to take that job and, and really got immersed into the culture that was already there, you know, Durand has had about 46 years of girls basketball. And uh, here's an incredible stat for you. They have never had a losing season ever in the history of their whole school. Uh, so that lets you know how special that is. And, um, you know, I was very fortunate to, uh, have an opportunity to coach there. Uh, we had a great run. You know, I, I believe that we were, in terms of girls' basketball programs, uh, one of the most powerful programs in the state. Um, we fielded very good teams. Um, I had never been in a place where during the offseason, girls wanted to get into the gym as much as our girls did at Durand. 
Um, they really worked on their craft and they really cared um, about the program. And even if you were to go back today, some of the players that I had, whenever they come home for Christmas break or Thanksgiving break, they're all at the games. And, you know, people are still sitting shoulder to shoulder. The games are still exciting. Uh, the new head coach there is Darren Lowenhagen. He's doing a fantastic job there, keeping that tradition going. And I think he's going to continue to do that. Um, so it's just a very, very special place. Um, it really taught me how to win at a high level um, and, and deal with expectations. Because if you can't win at Duran, uh, you're not going to be there very long as a coach. So um, it, it taught me to coach with a lot of pressure and a lot of accountability and, and expectations. I mean, people expect to win there. So um, you better do the best job that you can as a basketball coach to be successful there. No, definitely. Um, I was lucky enough to get to experience uh, the whole Durand atmosphere once, and you are not lying. It is a crazy place to just even go and watch a basketball game. Um, that ended up being kind of your last stop as of now in the high school game. You finished with a 310 and 78 record. Um, a lot of times winning regional championships, sectional, got to state. And then Viterbo University, the job opened up. And for those who don't really know a whole lot about Viterbo, um, there hadn't been a lot of winning in the recent years. What about um, Viterbo interested you, and why was it the right fit to kind of draw you away from all that success you had going at Durant? Well, you know, it's, it's funny how things come full circle. My wife is from Holman, Wisconsin, which is near La Crosse. And during you know, our relationship dating and interacting a lot. There were times where we had different situations that made us uh, be on Viterbo's campus for whatever reason. You know, I, I can't really even remember why we were there, but there were times where we were on Viterbo's campus. And I just remember every time I went on the campus, how beautiful it was. Um, and I thought to myself, boy, what a nice place to be able to coach college basketball, never thinking in a million years that I would ever be the head coach there. Um, and then I had an opportunity, one of my players, Ambry Slusher, who played for me at Duran, uh, she was recruited pretty heavily by Viterbo. So her freshman year, my last year at Durand, I had an opportunity to go down and watch her play. And again, I just thought, boy, what, what a great opportunity if I were to ever have a chance to be able to come in and, and coach here. And so uh, when the job became available, um, I interviewed, um, I, I put together a presentation basically that stated my vision for the program, how I could turn it around. I mean, it had been a lot of years since Viterbo had had any sort of success on the women's basketball side. Um, probably since 2003, probably was their last winning season, their last decent season. So I just put together a plan, kind of a roadmap of what I thought um, I could do as a coach to kind of turn that thing around. And again, never thinking in a million years that I would be offered the job. And then one day I got a call from Barry Freed, the athletic director there, um, stating that he wanted me to be their next women's basketball coach. And uh, I was – Nervous, but I was excited at the same time because I knew that 
um, if we did things the right way, that we could turn that thing around pretty quickly. Yeah, and I know for you personally, being a college head coach was something that you were really passionate about and you wanted to do. Before we talk more about the turbo, I think we would be – we couldn't move on without talking about what you left behind at Durand. You had uh, 12 seniors who were returning to play for you. What was that like, returning and kind of telling them that you would not be coming back? Well, we always talked about the mission. Um, When we went to the state tournament um, and we lost – we ended up losing to Howard's Grove in the semifinals. Uh, We went back in the locker room. And there was a lot of emotions in the locker room. And so I, I told the girls, you know, I actually promised them that we would get back and we would complete the mission. So that was the whole mission after we lost in the state tournament. And so we had a really good year the following year, but we knew that my last year at Duran would be the one where we had everything in place. Uh, we would be the veteran team where before when we were at the state tournament, we were pretty young. And I had 12 seniors on that team, um, had a couple of all-state players um, on that team. Um, and I think that was a team that was built to get to Green Bay and win the whole thing. And so uh, when the opportunity arose for me to become the head coach of a turbo, I was really torn. Because one of the things that I, that I, you know, try to do is uh, keep to my word. And so I wanted to finish out the high school season with that group of girls. Um, no question. Uh, but Viterbo was such a great opportunity for me. Um, it took me a long time to, to really accept the job and being the head coach there. Just because I had 12 seniors that were coming back to play for me and to complete the mission. So uh, it was it was very tough and emotional for me to uh, walk into a room and tell, the, tell that group of girls that I was not coming back. And still to this day, I get really emotional about that because I feel like I abandoned the mission. And, you know, I'd always talked about to the girls never quitting, staying the course. And uh, here I was taking another job. So um, but I'm still I still have great relationships with that group of girls. We uh, we communicate uh, every now and then. I know what all of them are doing. Um, so I think we we did a great job as a coaching staff in terms of investing in those relationships where even though I had to transition to another job, those relationships uh, stayed pretty, pretty strong. But uh, there are t- there are times I wonder if I would have stayed, uh, what we could have accomplished that year. Yeah. Um, you never quite got that mission completed. You never quite got to raise that gold ball, but I know that through just knowing you and kind of seeing what you do, that a lot of those relationships, as you had mentioned, are really strong and that's what it's really about. Now I want to kind of transition on to your experiences at the turbo and how these last two years have been for you. I think the first thing we have to talk about is, so you get the job. Now, a lot of people probably don't know this, but you get it six days before your first game. And you have number 22, Cardinal Stritch, coming to your place. Just tell me what your thought process is that week preparing for the game and how you were feeling going into that game. Uh, I didn't overthink it. You know, I, it was, you know when, you're, when you're dealt a deck 
where you're undermanned, so to speak, and you haven't had a lot of practice time. You got this big, powerful, strong program coming into your building. Um, there was just no pressure. There was no pressure, I, you know, because I don't think anybody expected us to win that game. Um, I don't think the girls really expected to win that game. So since we were since we had that state of mind anyway, I just told the girls, why not just play free? You know, just go into that game and play without any inhibitions at all and um, just let it go. You guys have played this game a million times before. So doesn't matter who your opponent is. The game really doesn't change. You just got to put the orange thing through the red hoop. And so that was kind of our mentality going in. Um, but I just gave them one job. I said, listen, I want to play hard every possession. And when Cardinal Stritch gets on the bus, I want them to know that, you know, those were the same girls. They were in the same uniforms. But there's a change at Viterbo. And so I told our girls coming out of the locker room, you've got to make them feel the change. You've got to pressure them every possession. You've got to not be afraid to shoot the ball. And we've got to play at our tempo. So six, six days prior to that game, we just worked on tempo and we worked on playing hard and what that meant. And I think Cardinal Stritch came in um, a little bit underestimating us. Um, I think they would admit to that. Uh, they had beaten Viterbo plenty of times before. As a matter of fact, I don't think Viterbo had ever beaten Cardinal Stritch up until that point in the history of the school. So I think it was a foregone conclusion that they were going to beat us. And we came in and scrapped and scrapped and scrapped. Um, the game was pretty close all the way through, um, but they gave us an opportunity uh, to shut the door on them. And I think we had a great fourth quarter in that game. Um, we got to a situation where we hit a bunch of shots we capitalized off turnovers, and we were able to win that game. And uh, for that to be my first win at the college level was just unbelievable. I wish I could have taken every V-Hawk fan and every person that has followed with Turbo Women's Basketball into that locker room after the game uh, because that was probably the most uh, intense of an after-game locker room that I've ever been in part of. A lot of tears, a lot of emotions. Um, they just hadn't had that win before. And so I think it really opened the door to a lot of belief in terms of the girls believing in the new coach that was coming in. Uh, we just had to make sure that we built off that from there. Yeah, definitely. A 61-54 win. I'm sure you were on cloud nine, as you kind of mentioned, and knowing some of the girls. I'm The locker room, I can't even imagine kind of what they were going through. But the thing is, the next day you had another game. And you had the number one team coming in to your place, number one team in the nation. And to be fair, they kicked your butt a little bit. What did that kind of tell you about what it was like as a college coach? No, that is more than fair. You know, um, I gave the best pregame speech that I could possibly give. Um, you know, but I knew that uh, Concordia, Nebraska was really good. I had had an opportunity to see them play the day before. And – I went in as a coach uh, really looking at that game as a measuring stick. I knew that they were the best team in the country. Um, and I wanted to see how far away we were from being the best team in the country. So during that game, we had a chance to see and feel what the best team in the co country looked like. 
And you're right, they kicked our butts. Um, we There were times where we had trouble getting the ball across half court. And they were just a machine. And I really figured out how good they were because towards the end of the game, they put in girls that necessarily didn't see a lot of playing time for them. Probably their you know, deep bench girls, their third string girls. And the intensity in which those girls played really impressed me. Um, I had a chance to talk to their coach after the game, and I said, boy, that that really stood out to me because you expect that from your starters. You expect that from girls that you bring off the bench. But your deep bench girls, those girls were hungry to get on the floor, and boy, did they compete. And there wasn't a drop-off. So I looked at them as a model, and I said, this is what – I want my team to look like. This is what I want my program to look like. And then once we get to that point, once we get to that structure, I would love to play Concordia, Nebraska again. And so over the years, I've kept in contact with the coach. Um, he and I just shoot emails back and forth, to, uh, back and forth together. And um, I think we're getting to the point where um, we should try to get them back on the schedule again. I think it would be fun, again, to see where we are uh, compared to them. Uh, they are the defending national champions. They end up going to the national championship that win, that year and winning the whole thing. So um, it was just a tremendous opportunity to, to play a team of that caliber. No, I love the way that you said uh, they just compete, every single one of their players, and that's something that I see you emphasize on a daily basis. So after that tough game, you guys finish out the year and you guys go 9-19 and in your first year as a head coach, which is a three-win improvement from the year prior. Now, 9-19 and is not where you wanted to be, but what was your mindset going into that offseason? Where did you think that Viterbo and the V-Hawks needed to grow during that offseason? Well, I realized how long it had been since Viterbo had won because – um, I got a lot of slaps on the back and congratulations that we had won nine games. And for me, that was unbelievable because I didn't look at that as a very good season at all. Uh, but compared to what the basketball program had been, um, I suppose it was a good season in, in many people's eyes. Um, but, the, you know, the, the one area where I thought that we needed to get better is I just thought, I really underestimated our conference going in. I really knew nothing about the North Star. I didn't know how good the North Star was until I went through that year. And I said, boy, we've got to get better. And not that the girls that we had were not good basketball players, because that was not the case. Uh, but there's a standard that we need to have at Viterbo in terms of skill level to be able to compete every Friday and Saturday night. And I think that if you don't adhere to that standard, you're going to get beat because our conference is tough. So my my goal has been since there to fill our team with the most skilled basketball players that we possibly can. So no matter where we pass the ball, whether it's a wing entry, whether it's a post entry, whether we invert a lot of things and have our bigs handle the ball and put our, our littles inside, I wanted skill at every position, one through five. Um, and so I think that we've done a good job in recruiting and bringing in more skill. Um, I think we had a stellar recruiting class this year with a lot of really, really good freshmen. Um, I like our recruiting class that we're going to bring in for this up and coming fall. I think it's going to make us even better. 
Um, and I think we're getting more skilled. We, we're, we're... I want to look back, Coach, at year two. Okay, how does that sound? Sounds good. And dive deeper into the year because it was really a special year. Uh, it's February 8th. The V-Hawks are sitting at 7-14, coming off a tough loss at Valley City. And you travel on the road to Dickinson State, which is about 10 hours away from Viterbo. Um, you end up pulling out a close win that night, and that really started the run that your team uh, finished the season on. You won the next five games, including the first two conference tournament games. Before we talk about the conference championship, which I know was a big game for Viterbo, I think we have to relive the semifinal game for just a moment. Uh, the V-Hawks had the ball with less than 10 seconds left. Take me through about what you remember about what ensued. Um, you know, I think that as a team, um, I think down the stretch when we went on that run leading up to that semifinal game, um, I think we really learned how to win. Um, we, we learned how to close games out. You know, I think it was a situation all year where if you look at our schedule, we had a lot of close games, games that were d- – single-digit games that we had an opportunity to win, but we just didn't pull it out. Um, and so I think down that stretch, probably most importantly, is that we learned how to win. And during that semifinal game, um, I thought it was just a roller coaster ride of uh, just emotions. Um, it was a thin line between making good decisions and bad decisions. Um it was very unfortunate where I, you know, I thought we had won the game and then we had a situation where our girls were so excited that they jumped off the bench before the buzzer sounded. And so essentially we got a technical file for having too many players on the floor. Uh, the game went into overtime. And for us to be able to battle against a team like Bellevue, a team that had been nationally ranked that year, uh, a team that was a number one seed in that tournament, uh, for us to be able to uh, withstand and be resilient during all the emotions and, and everything that happened during that game, um, I thought was just a credit to our basketball team. Um, I thought at the time when we got the technical foul, I thought to myself, we've probably missed out on a great opportunity and, and credit to our girls. Um, they were resilient, and they stayed together, and we were able to pull that victory off. Resilient is definitely the right word to use. Uh, after we made that layup to take the lead and got that technical, um, Bellevue, one of their elite shooters, went to the line, and for the V-Hawks to even have a chance, she needed to miss at least one free throw. And so for the girls to stay mentally engaged enough to um, – once she did miss that free throw to kind of pull it out in overtime where they didn't even start off that great, but they kept battling and battling and battling. I think you had to be pretty proud of what your program did. Yeah. I look at just some of the plays that led to us winning that game down the stretch. It just goes back to what I said about what type of players you recruit. Um, there were some of our freshmen uh, during the course of that playoff run that was not phased by the moment. And again, um, these girls have played, some big-time basketball in AAU. So, you know, they they weren't overwhelmed by the moment at all. Uh, Madison Lindauer had some great moments in that game in terms of uh, on the offensive side of the ball and on the defensive side of the ball. She was actually the player that got that deflection 
uh, that lead it to the layup to give us the lead in overtime. So, you know, just just big time plays like that as a freshman. I was just really proud of the girls. Yeah, I agree. And what's funny about this team is you think having a game like that where there's technical foul it goes into overtime, that'd be the most intense playoff game you, you play. But no, you come back the next day and you're in the championship and you're playing a Mayville team who's kind of had some dominance in the conference. Um, the game was back and forth. It was a game of runs. Um, but ultimately it came down to Ambry uh, driving the lane and dishing to Ali Wotisiak, another freshman who made a layup. Um, Mayville comes down and hits a deep three and you call a timeout. What's your thought process going into this timeout now that you are down again in kind of a similar situation as the day before? I'm just trying to play the percentages of what's our best option here. And, um, you know, my, my first thought was how can we get the ball to Alyssa Nielsen? Um, you know, she's a pretty good free throw shooter uh, for us under pressure. And so I knew that if we can get the ball to her uh, where she's comfortable, you know, strong side block, short corner, that she would probably give us our best chance to win. Um, obviously, during, the, during that stint, we had some trouble inbounding the basketball. And so we didn't give, give her an opportunity to uh, get her hands on the ball and, and try to close out the game for us. But, um, again, we were, we were beaten. I think I told the girls this in the locker room. We were beaten by a veteran team. Uh, Mayville, we had a lot of success in this conf- conference. Uh, they, they had been pretty dominant in this conference. Uh, we're playing against nine seniors that have seen a lot of basketball in this conference. So uh, for us uh, to have the lead with 10 seconds left to go in that game, even though we didn't win, uh, just a credit to our program. I mean, we played a lot of freshmen this year. And uh, for us to have an opportunity to be 10 seconds away from going to the national tournament uh, just speaks volumes about where we've come. Yeah, definitely. Um that was the last game, obviously. You guys finished with a 13-15 and 15 record, a four-win improvement. I know that you have extremely high expectations of that win-loss record. Probably isn't what you envisioned um, going into the year. But what has the constant improvement the first two years kind of told you about uh, your program and the direction you're kind of headed in? Well, as a high school coach, you're always worried about, okay, um, will the things that you did – at the high school level, make you successful at the college level. So that was the first thing that I needed to find out. But uh, very quickly, you know, basketball is basketball. And uh, it really doesn't matter what level you're playing on. If you have a philosophy that your team can buy into, um, it's going to bode well for you. Um, I think that we ended the season exactly where I thought we should be. Um, I expected our overall record to be better, but I expected – uh, to be playing in the championship game. Um, I I thought that we were built, and I said this out loud to a lot of people, I, I didn't think we were built to win the regular season uh, championship. I think you have to be a really good team, a consistent team, and I thought because of our youth that we would drop some games here and there. Um, but I thought that we were built to win three games in a row. Um, and I said that at the beginning of the season. And so when I look back at and self-reflect throughout the season, I think we ended where we should have ended. Now, next year coming in, we've got to take that next step. 
Like we've got to go from being the underdog team, the sub 500 team that's going to battle and compete and scrap to a team that can win games consistently. Um, That's going to give us a higher seed in the conference tournament, which essentially gives us a better chance to get to the national tournament. So um, I told our girls, we, we have to become that program next year is a huge step. Uh, we, we have no excuses. I think that the incoming freshman class that we have is stellar. Um, we've got some really, really good floor generals coming in. We've got girls that are versatile that can play inside and out. Uh, we've got shooters that are coming in all over the place. And I think we're going to have a great coaching staff. So um, on paper, we look very, very good. But we've just got to make sure that as a staff and as uh, a program that we make sure that we take that next step. Yeah, I know the future is looking very bright. You're very excited about what you're bringing back. But I think we have to kind of mention those four seniors who were there for your first two years. Um, you mentioned Alyssa Nielsen. There's also Madison Dorr, Bryn Bosich, and Alyssa Goody. Um, speaking of Nielsen, uh, her accolades kind of speak for herself. Three-year all-conference player, 37 double-doubles. And anyone who's seen Viterbo knows how big of a uh, part she plays in the offense. Um, what does Viterbo women's basketball look like without those seniors and specifically Alyssa Nielsen? Well, when you look at her stats or her production, I think on any level, you can always replace the numbers. Like, you know, we can, we can find another player that can average 14 points a game. We can find other players that can give us double-doubles. And rebounds. What you can find is the person that Alyssa Nielsen is. Um, there's going to be a void because I think that every program strives to have not one Alyssa Nielsen, but a bunch of them. And what I mean by that is she's probably the most selfless player on the team. Um, she cares about team first. Uh, you don't know how many conversations where we've had, where this is a first-team all-conference kid that comes into my office and says, hey, coach, if you need for me to come off the bench this game, I'm willing to come off the bench just to stabilize that second unit that's coming in. Um, Wherever you want me to play, I'll play. Uh, However many minutes you want me to play, I'll play. Um, She is just that type of, of teammate. She is not someone that cares about her stats. I think that she just wanted to win. And the great thing about Alyssa Nielsen is that she is leaving the program better than it was when she came in. And I think a lot of that has to do with her. Um, It is no surprise that she was our Champions of Character Award winner for two years straight. Um, I think that's going to be the biggest void left in our team is that um, we've got to figure out who's going to fill the void of just being that all-encompassing team player. Um, Who's going to take girls under their wing that need help, Um, especially some of our younger girls that are transitioning from high school to college basketball. Um, That's where Alyssa Nielsen really excelled. And then obviously she was able to get it done on the floor as well. But um, again, I think production can always be replaced. It's the people that you can't replace. And so um, it's going to be interesting to see how we try to replace what she brought to the table every day on the court and off the court. It's just not going to be easy. 
Yeah, Alyssa was definitely one of the best leaders I've ever been around. And if any of that rubs on to any of our girls, we'll be extremely uh, lucky. I want to leave you with just a couple more rapid fire questions, all right? Yep. Give me three words or less, okay? Yep. How would your players describe you as a coach? Players coach. Best player you have ever coached against? Boy, that is a good one. Uh, best player I've ever coached against. Let me come back to that one. All right. Toughest coach you've ever coached against. Joe Doucette. From Colfax? Yes. Okay. Um, someone in the coaching industry you really respect. Um, I would have to say Coach Krzyzewski from Duke. Okay. And then best player you've ever coached against? You got an answer? Uh, probably Khalid Elamine. Okay. Okay. From where? From Minneapolis North High School. Uh, he won the national championship with the Yukon Huskies as a freshman. Uh, you talk about a kid okay. that was a killer on the basketball floor. He was fantastic. Okay. Well, I really appreciate your time. I want to leave you with one last thing. If I was a prospective um, recruit or someone who's interested in Viterbo, tell me what makes Viterbo and its women's basketball program a great place to spend uh, four years continuing your academic and athletic career. Um, I think there are a lot of programs out there that can give you the minutes, that can give you the opportunity to come in and play a lot. Um, there are a lot of programs that have probably better tradition than we have in terms of winning. Uh, but the one thing that you're going to get at Viterbo is that you're going to get a great basketball experience. You know, it's the one thing that I can guarantee is that your basketball program, your, your basketball experience is going to be fantastic. You've got a group of coaches that really care about their players. Um, we are, uh, by definition, student athletes. So we really follow that philosophy. You're going to get a great education at Viterbo and you're going to be a part of a program that's building and I always say to recruits coming in what do you want your legacy to be do you want to be a part of something that's always been established by going to maybe another university or do you want to be a part of something that's just starting to become great and I think for turbo gives incoming recruits that opportunity no I think you nailed it right on the head I know that's all about what we're about and what you're about I really appreciate you being my first guest on the pod I really enjoyed having you um, stay safe during these times, and I hope that we can get back to the office soon and have some long talks and get around our girls soon, all right? I hear you. I, I really miss uh, interacting with you, the rest of the coaching staff, and the girls. So I hope this thing gets rectified pretty quickly. I, I appreciate you having me on your show. No problem. All right, take it easy, Coach. All right, thank you. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with the head women's basketball coach at the Turbo University, Coach Lionel Jones. Once again, I want to thank Coach Jones for being guest number one on the pod. I am fortunate to get to call him a colleague, a mentor, and a friend. If you made it all the way to the end of the pod, I want to say thank you to you as well. We have a lot of great coaches and phenomenal people who will be joining the pod really soon and you will not want to miss out. So it's really simple what you need to do. If you enjoyed what you heard today and you want to hear more, make sure you subscribe, leave a five-star review, and keep tuning in. Finally, 
Share the pod with a friend. If you enjoyed what you heard and know someone who loves basketball as much as you do, share the pod with them. Let them enjoy it as well. This is Javon Masters with the Small School Big Time Hoops Podcast. And until next time, stay safe, stay positive, and keep growing the game.